Hi, this is Sandy Rios, and you're listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, you may not know, but something incredible has been happening at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. I mean, what happens in Wilmore, Kentucky? Well, I think a lot of things are happening there. I remember when I was uh, a teenager uh, in the 70s, the 60s, late 60s, our country was in such desperate situation. Kids were so rebellious. They hated their parents. Uh, they were getting into drugs for the first time. That was all new to us. And kids were growing them their hair long. And uh, the, the, the moral fiber was just leaving the country. And it was frightening to watch. As a Christian at that time, it was frightening for me. And in, into that midst of all of that came this incredible revival among the hippies of all people. They smelled and had long hair. And God came in the midst of them and transformed them and brought out of it people like Keith Green, who wrote some of our most beautiful worship music and second chapter of Acts uh, and on and on. So God did incredible things. And I find myself wondering in this culture now, if possibly, could God please, could he come into this generation that looks at us with a blank stare, uh, can't really have human interactions? I'm doing a broad sweep, I recognize, but uh, glued to their phones, glued to social media. We know they're not well-educated. Uh, could God possibly uh, come into this generation and do something? Well, let me just let you hear what it sounds like right now on the campus, or at least in recent days at Asbury University. Let's listen. So you can just, uh, it's just a regular, you know, people are worshiping, so what's the big deal? The, the big deal is that this is student-led, and the kids don't want to leave that chapel uh, because God is just pouring out a spirit, and students are repenting for their sins, asking God to forgive them. They're confessing to each other. They're making relationships right as they kneel at the altar. And uh, I, I can relate to this. I experienced it when I was a kid. This is the kind of thing that God does when he's going to transform. This is the magnetism of the Holy Spirit, because when you're in its presence, you can't leave. You cannot resist, and you cannot leave. And that's what God is doing and has been doing at Asbury University. So uh, we're going to talk today about an expert on what's happening there, because it happened again there in 1970. Uh, and our guest is, a, is an expert on that, so he will join us very soon. And before we start this, don't go away, of course. Do not touch that dial. I want to thank Preborn because they have been uh, making these programs possible. Uh, they have been our sponsor now for the, the five weeks or so we've been uh, recording. They've told me this morning that there's a new study from Charlotte Lozier Institute that reveals more than half of women who have aborted their children are being pressured from outside forces. Now, Dan Steiner is the president of Preborn, and he actually says those numbers are low. Last year alone, Preborn Pregnancy Network administered almost 100,000 pregnancy tests. Our network clinics are seeing 80% of these women being coerced to have abortions. I know a lot about this. I've done a lot on abortion through the years. And yes, it's usually a, a parent that's embarrassed, a boyfriend who doesn't want a baby, a husband who doesn't want another baby. It's generally not the woman who generates this. That's been my experience, too. Interestingly enough, one out of four women uh, have had abortions in the United States, and right now, a huge percentage of them, in fact, 54% of all of them are dumped in a woman's bathroom, and that's because of the French abortion pill. 
oh, I could say so much about this, the damage it does, the horrific thing it does on a woman's mental health, and on the husbands or the, the fathers many years later. And so Preborn is in the business of trying to help women make a different choice. And they do that by providing ultrasounds to these women where they can see their babies. And most of them, when they see those babies, do not want to terminate their life. If you would like to help uh, to support Preborn, all you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. A gift of $28 will buy one ultrasound to help save a baby's life and, and change the mother's life to preventing all kinds of damage uh, emotionally as well as physically. So so there it is. All right, um, one last little housekeeping thing. You know that you can catch us on all the podcast networks. Our home base is AFR.net, or you can download the app, AFR, and that's a wonderful way to listen anytime, anywhere. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Getter or Truth Social, YouTube, Rumble, and you can go to sandyrios.com. Uh, that's the website if you want more information. All right, enough of that. Uh, sit back and relax. This Actually, it's possible that this discussion could change your life. Let's listen. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Have you ever thought that you knew something, only to find out that you didn't really know it in the deepest extent, and what you've experienced so far is just the tip of the iceberg? Sometimes we're going, going, going through life, not expecting anything out of the ordinary, pretty content with where we're at, when something happens that gets our attention and causes us to rethink our assumptions, conclusions, or even our sincerity of belief. What are those things that we think we know deep down, but have yet to scratch the surface of and really experience? Where are we fooling ourselves? And how do we realize it? How do we go deeper? All right, that's a clip from a video that's published by CBN. And it's referring to something that's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, It's a revival that's broken out on the campus of Asbury University. Perhaps by the time we're talking about this, you've heard all about it, or at least something about it. On the other hand, many of you, for many of you, revival, the whole notion of revival or something like this is pouring out of the Spirit is foreign to you. So I just challenge you to stay listening because, um, because I think God is at work in our nation. And surely, for each and every one of us, this is good news. Let me just read quickly. From the Asbury Collegian, it's reporting that during a call to confession on Wednesday, February the 8th, at least 100 people fell on their knees and bowed at the altar 
And since then, it has turned into a Holy Spirit outpouring that shows no signs of stopping. For days, people have been giving testimonies, reading scripture, and praying in the ongoing revival. The paper says that students, professors, and local church leaders have taken part. And there's also much more to say about this. Well, I've asked a really special guest this morning to join us because he's uh, watching this very closely. He's actually written a book about Asbury College. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Wayne Atchison is with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He is the senior ambassador and historian for the Billy Graham Library and Archive Center. He's the author of Ignite Your Passion for Jesus. He's also the author of When God Used Students to Wake a Nation, and that's in reference to Asbury University in the past. And with that, let me welcome him to Sandy Rios 24-7. Wayne, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. God bless you, Sandy. So good to be with you. Uh, you know what, Wayne, you have such a resume. I just want to touch on a few things here because I think it's kind of important to what we're going to talk about. Well, people will really enjoy the fact that you served for many years as the sports information director for the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. I guess I'm supposed to say Roll Tide, right? Is that the correct response yeah. to you? <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, uh, Wayne, was, Wayne was there during three Alabama national championships. I have to say, Wayne, I... Uh, I don't know. I am from Chicago, okay? So have some pity. And I'm not a big, I'm not a sports person. I, I talk about outfits and, you know, uh, you know, intermissions instead of halftimes. <laughs> but uh, my husband uh, was stationed in Alabama a number of years ago in Huntsville. He was from Chicago. And immediately he was faced with the uh, the, the uh, dilemma of Roll Tide or War Eagle. <laughs> so uh, we have a little bit of an understanding about it. Um so uh, you were with Fellowship of Christian Athletes for a number of years, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I see here that you say you were the son of Reverend Hyman and Laura Dean Chambers, born in Maplesville, Alabama, your father a street preacher, a tent revivalist, a radio preacher, and a small-town country bivocational pastor for 63 years. All right, so, Wayne. Some kids raised in a home like that are really turned off by all of that. What about you? Not one bit. I get kind of choked up just thinking about it because, you know, I went when I was seven, eight years of age. My daddy had, he would go to six towns on Saturday preaching on the streets, and then he would have his radio program the next morning and preach twice on Sunday, nine times in two days, and with we three brothers never wavered from what our daddy preached, and we stuck with it our whole life, and that's where I get my zeal for revival because daddy was a he he had a passion to preach, he had a passion for souls and and that's why I love revival and uh, I have been a student of revival history for fifteen years, and that's how I was led you know uh, having spent twenty eight years on college campus in my life. Uh, I love the college students, and that's why I was led. God led me to write the Ashbury Revival of 1970. But, yes, um, I am so blessed, and I thank God every day, and I tell people every day about my father and my mother, and and um, this is where I get my zeal for where I am today. Yes, well, now, uh, Wayne, as we said, you work for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and, of course, that just as the natural the natural is breathing place for you when it comes to this whole issue of your revival. But 
I want to go back to the rudimentary thing for a second because you know that some people listening are from other faith backgrounds or no faith at all. And they have, before we describe this, they're going to have no idea, really, until we tell them what we're talking about. And so if I were, you know, a stranger on the street uh, from a different faith background, how would you describe a revival and what it is? A revival is a divine intervention of Jesus Christ. That's when the fire falls from heaven upon a place and... And Jesus comes, and and when Jesus comes, nothing else matters. And I'm telling you, the times that we've had revival, it's all led by prayer. Somebody's been praying for a long time, had a heart for seeing, getting tired of sin, and seeing that people need Jesus more than anything else, whether they realize it or not. So it's a divine intervention. It's fire from heaven. And it's the presence of Jesus. Jesus is the revival, and the revival is Jesus. And um, that's what uh, these people at Asbury and anywhere else for revival, they have seen a need for change. They've seen a need of so much sin that they get tired of it. And they, they see people that are straying so far away from Christ who claim to be Christians. They need to be drawn back to to the Lord. And so revival is a... Is you know churches have revivals and and then there's been of course all the great history of revivals that where, where Jesus came and revival came and 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 it was historic in, in the way it was because of the presence of Jesus and and God just forgetting everything and realizing that nothing is more important than faith in Jesus Christ and living and serving Him and 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 being in the Spirit of the Lord. And, a, that, and during revivals, a great wave of love just floods a church or a place, or certainly like at Asbury, a great wave of love that like they've never experienced before. And and I tell you, it's a it's a powerful thing. And then, of course, we've had revivals that led into the Great Awakenings, and and that's when it really reaches the whole culture. And uh, that's what we're praying for now. You know, Asbury, they haven't. Revival, and we're praying that it just spreads and spreads and doesn't stop. I, so I would say, my... yeah, no, no, I love it. I, I that's a that's yeah. How could we improve on that explanation? I'm going to be talking to Tom Phillips next week, um, coming up on the podcast about the Great Awakenings. But just as a, a word to all of you that this is new to, there were two major awakenings. That's what we call them. It's where people suddenly awake to the presence of God and their lives change. Everything changes. It happened before the Revolutionary War. It happened again before the Civil War. We'll get into that uh, uh, in, a, in a future podcast. But I think the question, of course, is this something that could leave? At this time in our nation where I don't need to convince anyone we're in crisis, could this be a third great awakening. I don't know, but we're going to talk about it. now. All right, let's come back to Asbury. Uh, by the time this airs, uh, you know, Wayne, we won't know what's happening. But in general, this thing started uh, Wednesday, February the eighth. It's been going on nonstop for hundreds of hours. Uh, so, describe to us what you what you've seen, what's happening there. Well, I tell you this: this is no surprise because. Even students who were at 1970 Revival, who are now 71, 72 years old, 
and so many of the Asbury great saints of God even retire in Wilmore, where Asbury is, and they have been praying for years for another major revival at Asbury. So it's no surprise. I've been praying for revival at Asbury myself for three years, and because I know that Jesus has come there. When I walked in that Jews auditorium for the first time five years ago, it was empty, and the Holy Spirit was so strong that I could hardly walk into the room. I I knew that Jesus had been there and was still there in such a powerful way that it it just, uh, just gripped me so I could hardly walk into the room. But I would just say this, that, um, you know, it, it started, and, and with testimonies, as it did in 1970, uh, one student at that time, actor Janine Braybon, who was the freshman co-ed leader who led students in prayer for two and a half years, it started in chapel when the number one center on campus, number one athlete, he got up, and when they were given an opportunity to express anything they wanted to in chapel after the academic dean had given a 10-minute testimony, he got up and says, I'm a hypocrite. But last night in the dorm, God came into my heart. I'm different. I love Jesus with all my heart, and I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. And that's how the 1970 revival started, and it went 185 hours, seven days and seven nights to close all the classes. Now, in this one, Of course, someone there had a message, and I know students have been praying there. I'm not sure who all they were. Somebody's been a leader there, but uh, they have been praying. They have been expecting a revival. They have been expecting revival, just like in 1970. And and so it's confession of sin. And then, of course, somebody gets up, and it's confession of sin. It's repentance. It's restitution. It's reconciliation. It's students going to another and telling them how sorry they have mistreated them. I've always been envious of you, but I want to tell you I love you. And I tell you, it's just those kind of things just start happening, and students begin to tell how they have drifted away from the Lord, and they need to come back to him. And, and, and so many are just, and the, and the altar just fills up and weeping. There's the... The altar is just wet with tears, and I tell you, you don't have revival without tears. And <laughs> tears is a true sign of revival, and they've got plenty up there, and um, buckets full, in fact. And I, I just uh, know that many people get saved who thought they were saved, people committing themselves to deeper walk with the Lord, even to become foreign missionaries and preachers and pastors and, and youth leaders. And, and I tell you, it's a time when when uh, the Holy Spirit of God is so strong that um, students are so, so drawn to Jesus to want to serve him. And, and time, food, and sleep didn't matter in 1970. And I can tell you right now, that's what's happening to many of those students at Asbury right now. Time, sleep, and food doesn't matter. Janine told me that in 1970, over the seven days, she probably slept 20 hours and ate seven meals. She didn't want to leave Hughes Auditorium. And that's how powerful it is. And that's what's going on up there. And I I prayed that after three days, it would just begin to spread and that students would all over the country 
would get involved and get engaged, and, and of course, they're coming now uh, in buses and cars and flying into Lexington to get to this Hughes Auditorium, and, and uh, this is what we want to see it spread and spread and spread. And of course, it, in the 1970 revival, Sandy, over six months, it had spread through, or three months, it had spread to 130 colleges, seminaries, and churches around the United States and beyond. And everywhere a student was asked to go to share about the revival, revival broke out. And just let me say this. The big difference to me is that in 1970, when this took place, all students, there was no cell phone, so all students had had was to get in long lines of phone booths, telephone booths, to call their parents and their hometowns. And now the cell phone and the social media has just spread this revival across the nation and really throughout the world, and praise God for that. Isn't that amazing, the difference uh, in, in this revival and what happened in 1970 just because of communication and well, the social media? And I love it, Sandy, because so many top Christian prayer and revival leaders have immediately gone to Asbury to give reports through their network of ministry. And oh. I love that. And that's something we didn't see the times before. Yes. Well, isn't it just like God to use something that has become so wicked and had such control, I think, over our kids, uh, and we worry about it, and to use that now for His glory? I, that, that makes, that's amazing. And I want to read something. This is uh, from a mom, Maury Crawford. Her daughter, Eliza, is at... Um, is at Asbury, and she said they they just she said they went to see they couldn't stay away. It felt like something out of a movie. Driving into Wilmore was like driving into Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. An unending line of cars, describing the traffic coming out onto campus. After talking to Eliza and seeing all the posts, we just had to come. All right, so um, so I think one thing that would be good for us to clarify, Wayne, is that. When we use the term revival, because I grew up with revivals. I grew up in that tradition, and we had them in our church. I was saved uh, partly. Uh, from a, I remember the, the pastor said, you could be saved from 9 to 90, and I was 9. Um, and I'll never forget that. It really, it really struck me and moved me. And there was a bit of a revival when I was uh, 16 among the youth, the youth of our church. And I remember us, we did not want to leave. We did not want to leave. So I've had... I've had some of this, so I'm I'm all in, but some people are not. Uh, so let's talk. This is is this just among kids that have had a Christian tradition, the Wesleyan tradition, which is what Asbury is is famous for revivals and John Wesley. Is that just a church tradition that's happening here, and is it just Christians who are being moved by this who have come from that tradition? Well, I tell you, you know, uh, I think of the that students at Asbury, pretty much all of them came from Christian homes and, Christian, you know, churches, Christian churches. And, and of course, I think a big part of this is they, they uh, realize they've drifted away and they need to come back to God. But I tell you, so many of them thought they were saved, and they're getting saved, uh, Sandy, because uh, one little girl— in 1970, call home, and that she wasn't supposed to call home unless it was an emergency. And what is the emergency, the father said, who's the leader of Salvation Army, with Dad, I've just met Jesus. And uh, 
what do you mean? You've been with the Army all these years, and we've been, well, Dad, I did it for you, but I've just met Jesus. And when she came home and gave her witness and witness and see so many people come to Christ, um, then he realized what had happened in her life. But I tell you what, uh, these students, uh, they're, they're going to spread this word, and, 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 and thousands of people are going to be saved. You know, it is. It is starts with the Christians. Revival does start with Christians. You know, and um, it, but but yet there's going to be thousands of people saved through this uh, movement of God at at Asbury. And uh, I tell you what, I know it's. Uh, I I love the college students. You know, with college students, they're no towns. They'll go when they don't have any money. They'll go when that they, they don't have gas. They'll just go on faith. And and. Um, and God uses this energy and this enthusiasm among young people, and that's why I love uh, to write the book and so forth. But but I tell you, these these students are. I see so many adults that are going there. I get so many reports from adults that just just pick it up, just picking things up, picking their family up. They want to go and see where where uh, the where God is at work, and and to see what it looks like in in revival. And and uh, I see so many adults who are going there, and I, I, a lot of them are pastors, a lot of them are youth workers, and and a lot of them are just laymen who want who really pray and have a heart for revival. And so I I think that, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying is that is it for uh, just not just for Christians, but I'm telling you, as in the past, uh, say in 1970, they there was never a count, Sandy, on how many. Decisions were made at Asbury. There was never one count. Uh, nobody ever knew but God what, well, how it touched people's lives, how many it touched. But it touched people all across America. And, hey, I run into people all the time that says I was saved through the Asbury Revival. And, <laughs> and pastors and people who uh, just made the deep commitment. And I, I would say this, that Asbury has produced as one of the top schools, top three, I'd say, in America, more foreign missionaries than any other school in America. It's it's amazing, the history you know, that goes back to 1890. Well, interestingly, uh, just I have to, I want to add this, the founder of the American Family Association, Don Wildman, was a Wesleyan minister, and uh, Asbury granted him an honorary doctorate for his work, you know, to fight back what was happening in the culture. So there's there's a strong link between the American Family Association and Asbury University. We are talking with Wayne Atchison. He's with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association as the senior ambassador and historian of the Billy Graham Library and Archive Centers. We could talk forever about that, Wayne, but I, I don't want to get off track. Uh, he's also the, also the author of the book, When God Used Students to Wake a Nation. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. I'm Sandy Rios, back with you, and you're listening to Sandy Rios 24-7. We just had a fascinating discussion with Dr. Wayne Atchison. If you, uh, you, This is something that you might want to share with your friends, because heaven knows we need God everywhere. Do we not? Do we not need an outpouring of His Spirit in every facet of life in government in D.C.? I mean, tell, I can tell you, I've been sharing this with my friends in D.C., because I know we need God uh, but everybody does, and in the small towns, every places you haven't heard of before, everyone needs this kind of transformation. It's life-giving. It's life-giving. 
Well, before we uh, before I bring Bruce in so we could talk about this together, I want to thank Preborn uh, for span- sponsoring this show. If you would like to help them, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Uh, you know, we are learning that 54% of all abortions are now done in a woman's bathroom, and that's because of the French abortion pill, RU486. You know, I, I have to say, when I was uh, president of Concerned Women for America, this was an issue that I had to become expert on. And what people don't understand is it's not just one pill, it's two. The first pill kills the baby. The second pill expels it from the womb. If you think that it's pleasant to do that at home by yourself with all of the things that you can imagine that I won't say and the delivering of that child that you have to handle, you have to take care of, whatever that means, this is what women are doing. This is what they are doing because so many of their loved ones are encouraging them to have abortions. That's why the ultrasounds that Preborn provides for these women is so valuable because when they see the baby... They just can't bring themselves to terminating the pregnancy. So if you'd like to help them, $28 will sponsor one um, ultrasound. And, of course, if you can get more than $28, please do. Please be generous. You just go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right. Uh, I'm asking my my sweetheart, Bruce, uh, who is, uh, yeah, my, this is, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Can I say that? <laughs> I can sure say can. that, but I got all these flowers and these the cutest cards. I had, he had me laughing at 5 o'clock in the morning. I was finding cards everywhere that was so funny. So thank you, honey, for making this day special. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right. So, Bruce, I know that, you know, you were raised in a different tradition. You uh, So I don't know how, had you ever heard of revival? I think you were raised, Pres- I think, <laughs> I know you were raised Presbyterian. Had you ever heard of anything like what Wayne was talking about? Uh I had heard of it, but that was about the extent of it. I knew sort of what it was. I, from movies and things, I knew a lot of times uh, revivals were done in tents. Um, where my mom was from was a smaller area, and I, I remember hearing from my grandmother about when they had had revivals in their town, but uh, I had never been to one. I, I, actually, I, I've never been to, like, say, a tent revival. Yeah. Well, of course... Uh the awakening or the revival is, doesn't have to take place in a tent or a building. Right. And you have experienced that, Bruce, because uh, when you became a Christian, I had a front row seat. Uh, when you really, you knew about Jesus, you would knew about God, you were very respectful, but you really uh, gave your life to Christ after we met. And I remember us sitting in worship uh, at Moody Church, and you leaned over to me and said, I can't think of any place in the world I'd rather be right now than here. Do you remember that? I do, and um, that would probably be the closest thing to what I would relate to as a revival of myself, um, sitting under Dr. Lutzer. And, you know, Moody Church is such a unique place because there's people from all over the world, every socioeconomic class, every race, every every type of person, from uneducated street person to a college professor to you, you name it, everyone is there. And um, that's what I think you think of when you think of a revival or when you think of heaven, that's what it's going to look like. And you, so you certainly had a taste of this. Um, I, I did. But now what about you, Sandy? Um, I, I've heard you talk about revivals before. What What is your experience with them? 
You know, Bruce, I don't even think I've ever told you this. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was eight, actually, um, uh, well, I, I don't want to go on and on about this. This with this I could tell in a long form, but let me just say God started drawing me. But it was a, a pastor, a preacher, who came to our church. We had revivals often, uh, maybe twice a year. And they would go like two weeks. Can you believe wow. every night for two wow. weeks your family would go hear someone preach and uh, I remember this particular guy was really powerful, and the thing I remember him saying, because I did not want to become a Christian. I was not interested. I fought it. No, 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 whatever that is, I don't want it. And I remember him preaching, uh, whether you're from nine to 90, God wants you, and I was almost nine. And uh, that was that. I was toast after that. But um, uh, let me also say that when I was a kid, my parents were greatly, at least my mother was certainly greatly impacted by the Billy Graham Crusades. And um, when I was a girl, I used to watch, I mean, a little girl, after I accepted Christ, I watched Dr. Graham, and I heard him preach. And it so moved me and impacted me. And honestly, uh, Bruce, at the time, I was in a little church where we had a lot of preachers that talked loudly, (laughs) yelled loudly, pounded the pulpit. But Dr. Graham spoke about what was happening in the world along with Jesus and repentance and that really, even then, I think in some ways that was the birth of God's calling on me, is the merger of the two. And he was the example for me. Well, I find Dr. Graham and his uh, revivals to be absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I watch the old tapes now. It could be from 1972. And you know what? It's as relevant today as it was back then. It's the same issues for yeah. the most part. Might be dressed up a little differently, but it's the same problems. It's the same solution, of course. Um, and I think something that can stand the test of time like that, that should give you confidence to believe in it and to believe that those, that is the answer, is revival. Um, we throw that word around, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll hear prayers and at the end someone will go, oh, I'm praying for revival. And that's good, but I mean, I, I think if you're going to pray for revival, you should really understand the impact that it's going to have on the world if we do have a revival, and it's not something to be thrown around lightly. And we all should be praying for revival because I think, given what you had said earlier about how discouraging the world is now. It, it can really get you down. What? Where else are you going to find something to give you hope better than thinking about having a revival? You and your neighbors, you and your family getting together. Break, breaking down the barriers, forgiveness. Uh, all those people that are hurt by their adult children and the adult children hurt by their parents. Uh, reconciliation. That's what revival is just... But I always say... When God is presented the way he really is, uh, he is irresistible. He is irresistible. The Holy Spirit is irresistible. And I want to tell you one one last story, Bruce. Uh, You've probably heard me talk about my friend Beth when I was growing up. She Mm -hmm. was my dearest friend, and she was Jewish. Uh, I spent a lot of time in their home, and I, even as a child, God laid, you know, that family on my heart. I prayed and prayed, and I I would try to talk to her, but I didn't have I didn't know enough to have the right words. And I prayed for her father. I loved her dad. He was so good to me. And uh, so there's a long history with that. But once I persuaded when we were in high school, I persuaded Beth to come to a revival. 
<laughs> and she did. She sat next to me, and boy, she heard it, man, the pounding and all of it, you know, which was so different from her experience. And then she was just quiet. She never told me about it till many years later. And she told me many years later, she said, I, Sandy, I never told you, but I could not sleep that night. I, I was up all night talking to my dad about what had happened. I didn't understand. Now, Beth never accepted Christ. And I don't know if her dad ever did. I certainly had a, I wrote him and prayed and continued until into my adulthood. Uh, but, um, but that's just when I think of revival, I think of that as a, a time when someone came but did not, did not want to listen, was upset, moved, you know, by it and compelled, but just didn't want to do it because of her background. But, um, we all need revival. We all need that. And so maybe, maybe, maybe this is the beginning of God transforming our country. Uh, I want to just say some practical things as we uh, say goodbye to you today. You know that you can find us on any podcast platform, whether it's um, Apple or Spotify or Amazon or fill in the blank. You can also, of course, our home base is AFR.net, AFR.net. And you can find us on all the social media platforms, at least most of them, Rumble, YouTube and True Social, Getter, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can go to sandyrios.com to find out more about Sandy Rios 24-7. But for today, thank you so much for listening. May God bless each of you. I hope you know maybe wherever you are, that in your car, in your kitchen, uh, at work, that God has touched you through this. And even this, this, this seed of revival has been planted. Thanks for joining us. <music>